Welcome to the Guidelines Podcast. The following is an episode with Tristan Rivers about what designers can learn about development and what developers can learn about design. Enjoy. Hi, Tristan. Welcome to the show. Hi, John. Thanks so much for having me. Like, really huge fan of the podcast. So glad you can have me on. So today we're going to be talking about what designers should know about development and what developers should know about design. Before we dig into that, I'd like to know a bit about yourself and how you got into design and development, what your experience is. You know, ever since I was, I was a young boy, I kind of always wanted to be like a graphic designer. You know, back in the day, graphic design was like the huge term, the term kind of like encompassed all of the design work. And now the sphere has kind of changed, but throughout the years, I've kind of just gone through the ranks. And I've been designing, I've always been like a little creative guy, designing things here, designing things there. And I never thought I was going to be a programmer when I was younger. And I ran my first application and I was like caught by the bug. I was so into development, but I was still into design. So kind of along the years, I've refined both of those skills as much as I can. I think by trade, I'm more of a developer, but the design skill set is absolutely in my back pocket. I always bring it to the environment that I'm working in. Uh, and it, it's, it's really a huge part of who I am. My identity is kind of being extremely skilled in both of those both of those things. Uh, I've been coding for about eight years now in professional environments. So I've done a few internships, never been working full time. Uh, that's because I've been studying in that university past six years since 2015. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it about me right now. I'm very focused on university, getting a degree in uh, interaction development at Open Window in Centurion. And uh, it's been great. You know, the portfolio is getting boosted and boosted each year. I'm really looking forward to kind of fitting into an environment next year, a work environment that's, uh, that's ready for me. So yeah, that's about it. Absolutely unreal that you've been working in design and development over the past eight years in a production level environment. That's a very rare thing to awesome. be in. Could you tell me about some of the work that you've worked on in the past and, and maybe how you got into design and you mentioned that you, you start off in design and slowly start to get into development. It's quite rare to be in both. So could you tell me a bit about some of the work you've done and also how you got into the two? Yeah, definitely. So my first little internship was at a company, a little company that was right outside my high school. So every Thursday after high school, I'd, I'd walk you know, after, after class and I'd walk to this guy's house and then I'd sit there at like a little office in the back and then I'd sit in this office and I'd be coding like little apps because back in the day, iBooks actually had an interactive functionality. So you could be writing a book and you could actually have like a little embedded app in the actual book, which was really, really cool technology. I mean, at the time I was like 15 years old, so I wasn't really <laughs> a big shot bomb programmer that I don't like to say that I am today, but I certainly didn't have the programming skills. And I was kind of getting into Objective-C at the time, which was a very interesting time for me, you know, like coding in this mad language that has these crazy object-oriented principles. So I was working at that place for a little bit, you know, I never really ended up making projects there, but uh, it was a, a cool learning experience. And then along the years, you know, I've been working for a company called Pixel in Johannesburg. Pixel really treated me well, I've done a lot of huge WordPress sites. So I design out the sites, I code out the sites. We've done some huge clients, Suzuki, BMW, and I've worked on those sort of clients that's a really cool client interaction as well. And and in these jobs, you know, it's not only a programming job. Like I don't have a designer sitting with me and just handing me a design and I code it out. I kind of sit with the designer. I actually taught the designer at Pixel, how do you sketch? Because uh, he was using Adobe Illustrator for all of his designs. And I said, listen, Illustrator's a fancy program, but sketch is really like tool 
for doing this. So, you know, I kind of went in there and I changed it up a little bit. I've done a, an internship in Barcelona two years ago for a company called Creative Hothouse, where they actually took me through. They had their lead developer come in and kind of handhold me through creating a Swift app. And he taught me incredible, incredible things. I designed out the same app as well. You know, I coded out the app, designed out the app. And I've just always been with, you know, a foot in each field. And I really love that because I think I made brilliant, brilliant designs. And I love executing those designs into an interactive system. Well, dude, it's a privilege to have you on the show. It's nice to have someone who's sort of well-versed in both fields. I think our industry often draws up artificial sort of barriers between the worlds of design and development and we'll often have something i've noticed is often designers talking down development complaining about maybe the developers taking too long to get through their designs or and then developers oh, acting yeah. as though developers acting as though that oh, the designers are just the artists that actually we're here to do the real work yeah. it's interesting how these artificial the lines have been drawn up how's shots. it been like to do both because you've now you've worked in both you haven't had to sit on sort of one of these teams what's it been like to observe this oh you know it's it's actually kind of heartbreaking when you're in a production environment and there's just such a, a clear divide and disconnect because i think you know we've been taught in our industries you know by our industry professionals and our industry leaders that these are two skills design is one skill and that's a career and development that's one skill that's a career and i think because we've kind of placed ourselves under these labels you know we're human beings we love to label ourselves and give ourselves names and if there's somebody that doesn't have the same name as us, you know, we look down on them. We're like, they're not doing what we're doing. What we're doing is better. And you see it with designers and developers. Designers always nose up in the air in their little workstation PC. The developers, designers, they all, it's like the barrier. Like you said, you know, it's just this barrier. It doesn't have thing, to be like that at the all. The funny thing is it even happens in the design world. So you'll have people who are like, oh, no, but I, I do UX, but you do graphic design. <laughs> So like I'm I'm like a higher level of a designer than you, <laughs> like it's ridiculous. Oh, or like no, like okay. you only do UI, but I do UX. I actually have intentionality, but it's just ridiculous. And it's the same face rearing itself between the design and development mindset. Absolutely, we love to just give labels to things, and if something else doesn't have the label we wanted to have, yeah. we look down on it. I think it's just human nature and psychology. It's definitely something that we can we can really work to create less of that gap, less of that bridge. One of the ways that I think we can move past this is if designers understand a bit more about development and developers understand a mm. bit more about design because ignorance is where you draw up these barriers around yourself. You start to think yeah. that you're doing the most important work because you don't actually know what the designers are doing or what the developers are doing. Yeah. And you're not actually trying to make yourself understand what they're doing. So that's what I think. Let's dig into today's episode. Let's start by talking about uh, what designers need to know about development in your mind. So I think, you know, designers are always very, they, they hold back on gaining development skills because they don't want to be a developer. Or they have this kind of mental block of, I don't want to be a developer. But we kind of got to get, we got to get over that block. We've got to, we've basically got to establish a design for developers' skill sets or, or, or developing for designers' skill sets. And uh, you know where I think that starts is in, in web. you got to establish the layout and the structure of CSS and HTML and kind of get an understanding of that system because that's what you're designing for. You know, you always kind of got to look at the product that you're designing for and you got to look at the tools that are going to be used to build the product that you're designing for. And obviously, CSS and HTML, those are like the foundation and those are like the key, key, key principles that I think you're going to need and the key languages that I think you're going to need. 
when it comes from a designer perspective, I think they look at CSS and HTML and think this looks like a bit abstract. You know, I don't really understand what's going on, but it's really not a difficult skill to learn at all. You know, I think you'll agree with me, John. It's like CSS and HTML. They're very yeah. simple in their execution. Mm. I think one of the things that I'll often hear is designers saying, oh, "I want to, I want to learn how to code, but I don't know where to start." People will say that, mm. like the most trending language at the moment is Python. Or they'll say maybe something like JavaScript so that I can code in the browser and that kind of thing. What would you say to a designer who's wanting to understand programming? But well, I hear you saying that it's important to understand CSS and HTML. How would you recommend they actually practically yeah. go and implement that? Well, I think that a, a designer should actually, you know, grab a design from Pinterest or Dribble or one of their own designs and then actually follow along with, with CSS and HTML and recreate your name with CSS and HTML. So I think you got to sit down, you know, this is the, the actual practical way of developing that skill set is taking a design and creating the structure, the layout in, in HTML, and then styling it using CSS yourself. That knowledge allows you to take the development process into consideration then. Because I think sometimes you'll design without a knowledge of the tools available to the developer to recreate your design. So I think kind of getting down to the basics and actually creating sites yourself in HTML and CSS. And it doesn't even have to be very complicated and complex sites. You know, just like a large one pager. Practicing that skill of recreating an HTML and CSS will give you so much insight and valuable knowledge in a developer's mind. So then on the point of learning programming languages, where do I start? You know, Python, Swift, PHP? No, that's not what I think. Even JavaScript, I don't think that JavaScript is necessary to learn designer because the field of JavaScript and these other programming languages are very specific. And I don't think that a designer is going to need programming principles to have a huge advantage. You know, it's not really, you're not developing systems. It's not the job of the designer at all. The designer is creating a beautiful front end that's user-friendly and works to the user while JavaScript and, and Python and all of your, your backend stuff, your React, your Nodes and your Ludos, it's not necessary at all mm. for a designer to know that. I think if you were to take in those skills and those languages, you'd actually just kind of verge and you'd, you'd move away from design and you'd move more to having a, a development career. So if you do want a development career, then you should absolutely pursue traditional programming languages and traditional systems such as object orientation. But I don't think a designer starts with a, a, a core programming language. That's great. I think it really answers the whole question of should designers learn to code? And it's, it's no, the field of like, JavaScript and programming languages are very specific. Yeah. The reason why you're learning things like HTML and CSS is not to become a programmer. It's to develop a way of thinking. It's to constantly be, when you're designing, thinking about implementation so that you can better engage so, with developers. Is that correct? Absolutely. You've, you've hit the nail on the head. With It's allowing yourself to be surrounded by the same mindset that a developer would use when they're creating a product. Since the designer and the developer are in the same mindset, on the same level, your products are going to come out like this. Your productivity is going to come out like this. You know, you, you're just bridging that gap. But this is the whole thing, dude. I mean, like a, a, a developer is essentially a stakeholder within a project. And as a designer, you're meant to be engaging with all stakeholders, whether it's the users or whether it's the, the investors whether it's the your 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 co-designers, your developers, you need to understand what the whole team needs and expects from a project. And once the whole team is on the same page, only then can you go forward. Yep. 
And the same way that we look into the needs of our users, we should look into the needs of our developers so that we can streamline the process for them. So I think on that point of, uh, of, of being a designer, and I found this brilliant quote online that kind of encompasses the whole, the whole ideology of, of why, would it, why would a designer learn and, and take up development skills? Can a car mechanic land a job without ever owning a license and operating a motor vehicle? Well, yeah, absolutely. But... Don't you think that the mechanic would benefit from understanding the underlying machinery and how to operate it? I think so. Something that comes to mind when you read that to me is often when you look at job requirements for companies hiring in Pretoria, in Joburg, in South Africa, uh, they'll say that mm. a designer should not occur. And they'll almost ask for this yes. perfect unicorn designer, someone who can do both design and code. What do you think of the whole unicorn design phrase? You know what, John? I think that this this idea that every single designer, every single developer should be a unicorn designer is totally, totally incorrect. And it's it's the corporate machine trying to take advantage of your skill sets. Because at the end of the day, being a developer and being a designer, these are two completely different fields. They do work with each other and they work very well with each other, but they're not the same field at all. And, and I think... It's very, very important if you do have skill sets in both in both fields, understand that this is not natural. They're completely separate and don't allow a company to take advantage of you. Understand your worth by using the skills that you've developed. You know, I think a lot of people get taken advantage of and they do two or three jobs in one job. Like that's not on at all. Because we've got to look at the company that we're working for. Sometimes they just want profits. You know, we do live in a capitalist society. And companies are attempting to take advantage of you. It's got to really sit back, have a look at your worth as a unicorn designer, unicorn developer, and charge correctly. You know, you've got to, you've got to charge your work for what it's worth. How would you draw up those boundaries? You know, John, it's as simple as saying, no, this job is not what I signed up to do in this, in this position. This job should be going to X and X. Taking the leadership in your role, in your position, not letting yourself be taken advantage of. I think because people will absolutely, in a huge corporate company, they'll, they'll come to you with like any and every problem if they know that it's in your skill set. But if it's not what you signed up to do, well, then you have to charge more. You know, you got to invoice on if you're working as a freelance example. you got to invoice on. And you also got to make sure that when your initial invoice goes out for a project, you specifying down to the smallest details what you're going to be completing. Mm. Or you at least keep that for yourself in, in the back end. And if the client requests something that's outside of that skill set, was outside of that initial invoice, it's a matter of, I can do it, but I'm going to have to charge you extra. You know, we've kind of got to bring a lot of worth to our field because I feel like sometimes our field doesn't get the, the, the worth ideals that it needs. Mm. You know, a client will come say, oh, why are you charging me this much? And they, they don't actually know how much work you're doing in the back end. So we've spoken about designers getting a deeper understanding of development through exposing themselves to basic HTML and CSS, understanding the difference between being a designer and being a developer. One of the things that has popped up in recent years has been this thing of design systems. And this is one of those ways that designers can ease the process for development. How can design, well, firstly, what is a design system? And how can, in your mind, a design system make development easier for developers? And how can we even, even perhaps when, when we're talking to developers, how can we educate them about what a design system is and how it can help them? So I think from a developer's point of view and from a designer's point of view, a design system has to be 
It's like the language. It's the language that you're using to create a product. If you work together, developers and designers sit in a room, understanding each other's skills and draw up a design system, which would be a document or it'll be a, a page that explains every element that you're going to be using in the product that you're creating and explains down to the smallest details how these elements are going to be done. So from a design point of view, what is the background color of the button? What is the text color of the button? What is the border color of the button? How does it look in a harvest? And that applies to developers as well because you have what are my pixel widths? What are my margins? What is my padding? Actually, sitting down and creating a, a fluid design system initially, it's creating this language and this tool set that's going to allow the designer and the developer to talk to, it, to each other much more efficiently because it just puts them on the same page by putting a lot of work in at the beginning creates a lot less stress down the line. Yeah, and it saves time because like say for example, there's a button on your site that's used 15 times across the website. The developer can take it from your shared design file code it once and then just yep. implement that, com that component across the board. And then in the future, when you maybe in a couple of years time, you change the website, you can make one change to in your code base mm. and that'll reflect across the whole site. It saves time. That. You mentioned that it's important to sit down with your, with your developers and talk with them early on in the process and decide on these design system components. How would you go about that? So say for example, you have a project coming up and you know that, you, that you're going to be the right. designer on this. How would you, from the beginning, interact with your developer? It's a very interesting question. You know, I think from a, a management point of view, it's, it's quite key to understand what your developer needs from you. And it's key for your developer to understand what you need from them. In Australia, because we've got a lot of amazing tools online, that assist greatly in, in this flow and this creating a design system. Mm. Uh, Zeppelin is one that I've used before and I'll gladly use it again because it is absolutely brilliant at allowing a, a, a repository, a source of a design system. It's, it's basically a tool set that's created for establishing a design system. Mm. So I'd sit down as a designer, sit down as a developer and create something in, in a, a design program and export it out to, to Zeppelin and then just sit down and refine and make sure that what you've created is acceptable for both parties and it's reusable for both parties. I think it's important to identify constraints as well because maybe as a designer, you've gone and you've done your HTML and your CSS, you understand the, the DOM model, uh, but it's important to understand what framework your developers are working in. So say, for example, if your developers Absolutely. are working in, in SAP Fiori, they're going to have certain technical constraints. You can't just go and do anything. Absolutely. You need to understand what's, what's capable. And if you don't include your, de your developers early on and begin to un uh, reveal these constraints, you're going to go down the wrong path. So as you're saying, you need Absolutely. to, as you, in that later stage of the project, you need to make sure that they have an easy way to access your designs, an up-to-date version of those. And you're saying that mm. Zeppelin's a good tool for that. Then it is. It's a brilliant Zeppelin's tool. Great. I think another great tool yep. is, is Figma. You can share oh, the, the, the live design files with your developers. I have actually the most praise in the world for Figma, to be honest with you, John. Mm. Uh, presentations, designs, markups, wireframes. Figma is such a brilliant tool. I'm so excited for this stage of design that we're in at the moment. It's very easy to involve as many stakeholders as you'd like. You can yep. have the development team yep. see your files as you're working on them, and it makes it easy to oh. communicate. And I think that's something that is a really simple thing to get is 
think about how you're communicating with your developers and how you're streamlining their process. You know, it also kind of a lot of companies have a Slack board or a Trello board. You've got tasks, you know, and and they use all of their different methods and systems of management. And it's it's very important as a company to establish these 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 systems, you know, these constraints, like you said. Mm. It's very, very important to we have these tools available. We've got to use them, you know. Mm. A lot of these huge companies are using these tools because they're effective and because work. We need to consider how we're easing the process of developers. Okay, so I'd like to move on to the second part. So, so now we understand a bit from the designer's perspective and how we can better facilitate developers. What can developers learn about design? And what can they learn to better integrate with the designers on their team? So, John, so let me introduce this, this problem, this time-old problem that I'm sure everybody has seen and interacted with. So at my complex, we have a system that is used for if you want a visitor to, to come over. And in the system, you go in, you type like the visitor, initial surname, phone number, email, and then the time of entry. And you open the site and it is a pure HTML form, no styling whatsoever. You enter the wrong inputs, the form completely refreshes, and you get a totally uninformative message, error, wrong data inputted. This is really a case of a programmer not having any design skills at all. I'm sure we've seen it a lot. You know, I've yeah. seen a lot of products that only programmers have created, and it just has no human interaction, human inter interface, user experience. It doesn't have any of those elements and aspects because a, a developer rarely takes the needs of the user into account. Right, so this it does happen, but it's it's very rare. From a developer's perspective, they'll analyze a problem from an issue solution perspective. So they see a problem, and then their mind laser focuses in to the solution, and that's that's all that a developer would think into that problem is you know how how does that code work, and how will I think about how that code works? We don't really take into consideration the, the UI elements. When you're programming, you don't automatically improve the user experience. You only complete the task. So we see that a lot. We see that with developers having a mindset of, you oh, know, I'm above a designer. I do the real work. They just make it look pretty. Why do I care if it looks pretty as long as it works? I'm sure you've seen, seen that all the time. And it's such a destructive, destructive mindset because a developer with zero UI and UX skills designing a system that only works, that's fine for them. But from a, a user using the product perspective, man, it sucks. Like, it's such a frustrating feeling trying to interact with a system that hasn't been designed with your needs in mind. And it happens all the time. You know, it's so interesting you know, uh, when I look at what designers need to learn Oftentimes, designers need to learn to think about implementation a bit more. And what developers mm. need to learn is to think about the users a bit more. Yeah. You, you're creating a product for your user. Yeah. You know, you're not creating a product for yourself. If you're creating a product for yourself, you can make it as ambiguous and, and no error handling. Mm. But if you're creating a product for a user, you have to have at least a basic understanding of design mm. principles mm. and interaction principles. You know, you've got to take into account if a user is holding a phone, where will I place the button in the phone so the user doesn't have to stretch their thumb out to press the button? And I think a lot of developers don't take these things into account at all because that's the job for the designer. It's not my job at all to be implementing this. It's as and frustrating and ridiculous that developers don't think about the person who's going to be using it as designers who just make a design and say, oh, that should be easy to build. 
you should just go and do it. It's as ridiculous. It's the same levels of frustration, yeah. you know, from both parties. Because I've been in scenarios where both of those experiences have happened to me, where somebody has designed a system that's totally incorrect, or somebody has designed out a, a product that is completely unimplementable, unimpl if that's a word. Mm. You know, it's, it's just these two barriers that you're going to, knock heads about because that level of communication as well, if you have a pure designer and a pure developer, it's, <laughs> you know, there's nothing more frustrating as a developer sitting down and a designer coming over your shoulder and saying, yeah, but that's easy to put in. You know, it's, just, it's the same level as seeing something that a developer has designed out and saying people are not going to like, enjoy using this interface. I think so often what developers will do is that they will rely on frameworks like bootstrap to mm. be like a crutch to solve all their problems so instead of actually having oh. to learn the fundamentals of design to learn how to actually engage with users you just use a framework and that'll do all your thinking for you but that'll only take you so far it's a shortcut i don't use bootstrap at all personally mm. i don't I, I can't stand it the the class naming component system is shocking you know your html looks horrible and totally unintuitive at least from my perspective, because I've used Bootstrap to create projects, but I just, from somebody who's created my own frameworks, I'll be using FlexGrid. It's it's a crutch. It's a really, really horrible crutch that does developers use as a, it, it's being lazy. So how in your mind can developers move past this? John, it's, it's really simple. You know, it's, it's simpler than you might think. So a lot of people have this idea and this mindset that design and this eye for design is something that you're born with. You know, it's something that as a kid, you're either a, a good designer or a good creative or not. And that is not the case whatsoever. It is a skill. Design and taste is a skill which you work at and practice and you refine that taste and that design skill set through hours of work. How would a developer then refine and create taste i think they should first of all have an understanding and be familiar with industry level tools you've got sketch you've got adobe xd and you've got photoshop and illustrator a developer should at least know how to use these tools if a developer actually understands the design tool it, it gives them an insight on general senses of design already you know that you'll use shapes to create like a flow for the user the, the layout of copy is something that a lot of people don't take into consideration. You know, there's a way that a human being likes to read copy. Where should the button go on the page? Mm. You know, these understanding that tool is how a developer can get a good base on the insides of design. So it's basically the opposite of what you recommended for designers. You said that what it would be helpful if a designer took a design that maybe they've done or they found off Dribbble and they take that and they try and build that with HTML and CSS. What you're saying here is that a developer, in order to be able to put themselves in the shoes of a designer, would be helpful for them to take a design of Dribbble or something that they've worked with mm -hmm. and then try and recreate that within a tool like Sketch or Figma or Adobe yep. XD to be able to understand the tools designers are using. Absolutely. You know, it's that's how... Even designers refine their skills is taking an existing design and recreating it. And and while you're learning that tool set, you kind of be kind of training your eye to look for good design. As you take a, a beautiful looking page or something that you think looks beautiful, you know you've already got we're all born with a sense of taste. So you've already got this taste built up a little bit from just interacting with your day to day application. Maybe you love Google's material design. 
you know, you've got that taste for material design and you should try and, and urge to recreate that material design mm. to refine that skill set. And then for me, I think once you're quite familiar and comfortable with recreating a website in Sketch or XD, Figma, and it won't take that long at all. You know, if you're creating three full one-pager sites, I think that you'll be quite efficient with the tools because it's very, very easy to use and it makes our lives brilliantly simple. But you should then start blending elements from different designs together into one like master design that you really, really love. Something that you can really create as your own. And you'll see that once you start doing this and creating your own designs based off of other designs, your, your palette and your skills will really start refining, refining themselves. That you can actually, as a developer, work really closely with a designer on creating a product that looks stunning. For designers, you mentioned that you don't think that it would be worth their time to go into learning things like JavaScript and specific programming languages, as you don't think it'll give them a huge advantage. What do you think programmers should dig into? Almost the, the basics that would give them an advantage in their day-to-day -day work. So I think the advantages would be having you know, a very familiar understanding of that tool set, having a very familiar understanding of the principles of design, because we've got some amazing heuristics of design out there and kind of just brushing up and reading on, on like the um, gestalt principles are very, very important because these are things that have been researched over the years and years and they've tested and they, they're true to what a user wants in their product. So I think mm -hmm. a programmer and a developer having that understanding of those principles would be great. But mm -hmm. don't think that a developer has to go extremely deep into the design realm. So I don't think that a developer would have to really go into the design process of, of creating a user flow and, and wireframing out a user experience and organizing content using information architecture. I think these are more of the specialized skills which require years and years of experience and research. It's the exact same way that intense back-end programming also requires years and years of experience and research to be able to pull off. So I think it's it's really important that the developer has a firm, steady base of the understanding of design principles and, and how designs are made. Mm -hmm. You know, just so that the language then when they're speaking to a designer from a developer point of view, you know what he's talking about when he, when he says, you know, border radius and, and user flow. And it just it helps that ease of communication. I think it's also important to understand the different roles and what the deliverables are assigned to them. So you look at roles like mm -hmm. UX designers, UI designers, researchers, visual designers, I think you need to understand what the kind of deliverables you need to get from each of those. So when you're working with yep. a researcher, you know, this is the kind of thing that I'll be getting from them. And this is what I'm going to be doing with that. But I hear what you're saying. I think it's, you don't need to understand things like wireframing, information architecture, you need to actually, no, no, I don't think it's, yeah, you, you need to have those principles set down. Okay, Tristan, this has been super useful. I think that we can actually wrap it up there. I don't think there's anything more that we can add to that. Uh, is there anything that you would like to add before we finish off this episode? You know, just to kind of finalize and conclude what I was talking about this podcast is that it's all about practicing and refining the skill of a person that you're working with. So you bridge that gap and you can be on the same technical level. So it's, it's about understanding that your skill set is not as, as deep as the person that you're working with, and they are a specialist in that industry, in that field, but just being able to migrate language and concepts on the same technical level. It's very, very important. And it will lead you to just creating amazing products. You know, as a de designer, coding is such a great skill to learn. As a developer, 
design, such a great skill to learn. It's about improving yourself as a person and improving your efficiency and your contribution to the products that you create. And to stop drawing artificial boundaries around the work that we do, what we do and don't do, what we do and don't know. We're a team. Yeah, man. You, you're working as a team to create something together. I think it's very easy to get lost in, um, in labels. Wipe away those labels, work together as a team, create communication, tear away those boundaries and create something awesome. Justin, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's been such a privilege to have you. Thanks so much for having me, John. It's been so brilliant talking about you know these this industry that I'm so passionate about. I really love what I do and I love what I'm going to do. Mm. I love the products that I've created and that feeling of satisfaction after sitting back, working an old rider on just something amazing that feels so great to swipe around and, and tap together. I think what we're doing is we, we really are the artists of the 21st century, mm. the creators of the 21st century. I think it's important to love what you do as well. You know, mm. step back, enjoy what you're doing because it's it's a very it's very fun at the end of the day. Oh man, we're in the best field. I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start the podcast is I just like I love design, I love tech. I think mm. we're so privileged mm. and lucky to be in this industry. I hear you, man. I hear you. Justin, if people wanted to work with you or get in touch with you, what would be the best way that they could do that? I think they can go ahead and, and have a look at my portfolio site. So you'll find my portfolio site at affix.jobo slash portfolio. I'll link that in the show notes. There'll be all my, oh, brilliant. Thank you. All of my details will be there. You can have a look at some of my previous projects. I'm always kind of working on refining that portfolio experience just to give potential employers and potential teams a good taste of what I've done. Tristan, thank you so much. Uh, hope to have you on the show again in the future. Thanks so much for having me, John T. Have a brilliant, brilliant week. Thank you so much for listening. If you learned something from this episode and would like to hear more episodes in the future, please subscribe and consider leaving a comment so that other people can find this content. If you have any questions and would like me to answer them on an upcoming episode, go into the show notes where you can find a link to my Twitter page where you can ask me any questions that you have or even leave a voice note using the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to keep the user right where they should be first.